Welcome to our, to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zero. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sACriticPodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Handle is Critics Pod. We're on all your podcatchers, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa. And we have a Patreon page at IHateCritics.net slash Patreon. And don't forget to click on our merch tab if you want to buy us some of our merch. Uh, that was a lot faster than normal. This is really going to be a fast episode. <laughs> That's what you think. Yeah. Uh, we got no trailers, so I just went. Uh, just I don't know if there weren't any, but we didn't watch any yeah. of them, so we're not going to waste your time now. <laughs> uh, but I did. I watched a couple movies on my own that I'd already previously seen. The first was my wife hadn't seen The Joker, and that's out, so we rented that. And I don't know. I'm back to where I was initially. It's not. It's not my favorite of the movie of the year, but I put it in the top five. I mix it in there with those A24 movies and the, uh, the black metal movie. I just I really liked. Like for some reason, I thought the ending was a little different than I remember it. I thought that they left it off that none of this could have happened, and they could have done that. But he definitely escapes the end. So I mean, there's definitely things that. Or did he? He did. <laughs> I mean, if they make a sequel and he didn't, then they just ruined everything <laughs> at that point. But it just, I love the idea of everybody's awful, but then at the same time, everybody's good. Everybody's, and I like that. And this, I I don't think this movie is, you can take whatever you want out of it, I, or it, it's trying to appeal to everybody. I think it's more of, it has a specific message that people may or may not be getting, but I definitely think they are going for a specific type of idea. And, I thought they really accomplished it well. Still not Midsummer, uh, and maybe it's at the bottom of those A24 movies. It's not Uncut Gems, so yeah, maybe it's number six. But it's like it's it it belongs in my top ten, and I'm glad I watched it again because I feel better about it. And Josh was happy to know that I went back to where I was. <clears throat> but again, those A24 movies are fantastic. Yeah. And then I watched The Departed for the first time in a long time. Now tell me about this. How does this come about? I had to put an elliptical together, or not an elliptical, a treadmill, which I cut off the very tippy top. Of my, I hate saying cut off because it's, right. it's basically a cut, but like the top of my toe got ripped ah! off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, again, it might as well be a cut, but it's the very tip and it hurts really bad. Anyway, <laughs> my son was with me and I. He wanted to watch a movie, and I was I pulled out like ten movies he got to choose from, and they were all like for me, uh, a couple wrestling DVDs, and then uh, like the Kill Bills and <laughs> Departed and Pulp Fiction and <laughs> all rated R movies, a right. uh, couple comedies, and for whatever reason he picked the Departed because it was about cops and bad guys. <laughs> And he's really going through it. When he watches a movie, if someone dies, it really bugs him. Oh, boy. And, well, everybody dies in the party. Yeah. So that was, he, and in fairness, he kind of walked out here and there and came back. At the very end, I'm like, hey, come back. They're all going to die. Come watch. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were at High V today, and he goes, hey, that's the guy that killed him. <laughs> oh, not Matt. They didn't know Matt Damon's name. but uh, Mark Wahlberg, yeah. Right. Mark Wahlberg's in all of our grocery stores here in the Midwest. <laughs> Of those little videos and cardboard cutouts of them. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just, one, it's always been fun to watch. And uh, at the time when I first saw it, 
I didn't notice Gimme Shelter being an overplayed song in movies, and I certainly didn't think that Dropkick Murphy song was overplayed at the time. It sure is now. Uh, but watching it again, I still like it, but there's a lot of things that was just like, well, I mean, he literally gets in the back of the car after graduation with the biggest mobster in the world, and they can't figure out he's the guy on the inside. And Leo's character is literally getting in the back seat of the internal affairs car. <laughs> The bad guys can't. I mean, there's so many things that are so painfully obvious that they probably could have figured <laughs> out. But it still doesn't ruin the movie. But it, yeah, it, it's just that's kind of I think what keeps it from being like top notch Scorsese. But mm. it's still fun to watch. So it's no longer our generation's Scorsese. It's I guess the Irishman would have to be, wouldn't it? Because what has he really done that's been phenomenal? I don't really know. We're we revising the history of Scorsese on this podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, what's the last like true Scorsese movie that you love, Goodfellas? I mean, I, I, I've, it's been a while since I've seen The Departed, and I've always enjoyed The Departed, so I don't, I don't know. I do like it still. I just, it's more, it's like a, it's a step above Heat and a step below Goodfellas, if that makes sense. Which I know Heat's not a Scorsese movie, but it's right. what it kind of wants it to be. <laughs> There's certainly a, a much more mainstream quality to The Departed. Because, right. you know, uh, Leo sort of pretties things up. Matt sort of pretties things up. <laughs> Jack likes to choose scenery. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. So does Alec Baldwin and <laughs> Was hell, your, Mark Wahlberg. Did your son step out of the room during the uh, porno theater scene? Or? <laughs> he was not in there for that. He left. We started it. Like, I, I started working on it at night. Yeah. But, and we didn't finish it, so... We only got to pretty early in the movie. I think he was in the. I think it was the cranberry juice scene where he <laughs> beat up the guy you can almost not hit. <laughs> uh, and then when I came back to it, I watched most of the last third by myself. And then from the part where Quinlan falls off the top of the oh building, boy. on I'm like, "Hey, come back in there for this!" And he kept running in and out of the room, like peeking over the corner. Because it intrigues him, but it also frightens him at the same time. <laughs> he doesn't understand why the good guys have to die, or even the bad guys, for that matter. And at at that age, how do you know Matt Damon's a bad guy? I mean, it's hard to understand because it's... It's complex. <laughs> right. Yeah. Although as an adult, it's not complex at all, and there's a lot of holes. Uh, so... <laughs> Speaking of not complex at all and a lot of holes, I'm assuming Doolittle is... You want to start there? Well, I figure with the classic being bad boys. Yeah, I guess. Uh, okay. Um, prepare yourselves. Uh, and I know this is a really hot take, and I'm sure that other people have had this particular hot take, but uh, if I ha- if you made me choose... I would say that I would rather watch Cats again than ever see Doolittle again. Like, that's the level of terrible that we're going to discuss now with Doolittle. Um, First of all, I think the first mistake here is that, you know, this is a movie that's intended to be a kid's film. It's intended, like, very much intended for children. Because that's the only possible audience that could find any joy in this whatsoever, because there are farts. There's plenty of farts. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm not above a fart joke. I, I'm not either, but they've got to be well delivered for an adult. Whereas this is just, there it is. Um, 
So maybe perhaps if you're going to make a movie that requires a sort of childlike whimsy, I don't think the director of Syriana and the writer of Traffic is the guy to do that. Um, <laughs> because I don't think he really quite understands whimsy or or really just any type of childlike thing other than, hey, a fart. Hey, uh, this person, this person who's in the 1800s is making modern references and calling people bro like oh my god i hate this movie doolittle stars robert downey jr as dr john doolittle he's his wife is killed in a shipwreck he goes he becomes a recluse and closes up his practice as a veterinarian on uh as a veterinarian slash actual human doctor as well because not well explained um the queen has given him this place to live, this castle where he was talking to animals and treating them, and then his wife died, and then he just sort of retreated in there with a bunch of animals. First, I mean, the, the thing that, that's going to strike you immediately, and, you know, it's interesting, I had a similar experience watching um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, because early on, they're making those transitions using the models, and I'm like, that's weird, and I thought, oh, God, this is going to be a train wreck. Then I kind of got it and kind of got where they were going with that. This time, <laughs> it's not so much about transitions, but there's a transition to try and explain how Doolittle talks to the animals. And this is far less successful, obviously. <laughs> this is a bad way of doing this. They introduced his ability to talk to animals by introducing him talking to a gorilla, but he's talking as a gorilla. So he's going, ooh, 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 ooh. And they're both back and forth, ooh, 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 until finally it just sort of kind of morphs into them speaking English to each other, but to everybody who's watching them, they're going, ooh, 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 back and forth. And then anytime he talks to another animal, he talks to them in their language. So it just makes Robert Downey Jr. look like a fucking asshole the whole time. He just looks like an idiot. He looks like a complete psychopathic moron. Like, <laughs> he just looks so dumb. He's like quacking like a duck or like trying to, making clicking noises, talking to a, uh, a wood insect like it's so stupid <laughs> just have the animals just have him and the animals talk don't bother with the nonsense oh it was so such a it's just so it's it's just like it's a car crash introduction to you so you're not like eased into it it's just they just car wreck right into this explanation of how he talks to them and then you have to watch there's this kid tom stubbins who's the little boy who becomes his apprentice for reasons. I swear to God, they introduced this character just because Downey Jr. didn't want to be in this movie. Even though he's the lead, he doesn't want to be there. And so they needed the kid to just pick up a few scenes to be the lead, because Downey's just like playing the character as if he just doesn't want to do this at all. Like his voice, he's just barely above a mumble the entire time. He's doing an incomprehensible access the accent that sometimes it's Irish sometimes it's Scottish uh, just it's just not it has no basis in reality and it's a, again it's just another embarrassing aspect and he's just barely mumbling it as if the, I just okay just get the line out and I get to go back to my trailer just get the line out and I'll go back to my trailer oh my god <laughs> it's like it's so awful he's so he's got this, his character has lost his wife, and so he's racked with grief. He doesn't like to talk to people. 
he expresses this by seeming as if he doesn't want to be on screen at all. That's how the level of how he expresses. <laughs> so he's completely this off-putting character who doesn't like not just the people around him, and it's not charming like House, like Dr. House. This is completely just an off-putting human being <laughs> who doesn't want to be around people and has no charm about it whatsoever. Oh, the whole movie is charmless, uh, except for Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley shows up. Jesse Buckley from Wild Rose and and Judy, one of my favorite new actresses. She plays the queen, who is uh, you know given Doolittle this home and and uh, it uses him as her per- personal doctor. And she spends the entire movie dying, so we don't get to enjoy her at all. <laughs> She's just dying, and Doolittle's got to go on this journey on a boat with all of his animal friends to go and retrieve something from a dragon. It's stupid. It's really dumb. The whole thing is really dumb. But the, all of the animals, so everybody else is talking as if they're in their own time, as if they're in the time of the 18th century, 19th century, whatever this is set, sometime in the 1800s. Everybody's talking, everybody in that time is speaking in a, you know the English accent and, and the proper English. But the animals, when the animals talk, it's like, hey, bro, like, hey, bro, what's up, bro? I don't know, bro. What are you doing, bro? Hey, man. You know, like, they're talking like they're millennials, like they're making millennials. There's almost to the point where they're making modern references when they're talking. And it is so stupid. They sound like such complete morons. Like, they, at one point, they, somebody made a reference to a movie. Like, it was a literal line from another movie. And I'm like, what are you talking? How would you eat? You're a duck, and movies don't exist. <laughs> Something you probably wouldn't give a shit about if it was an okay movie. Yeah, <laughs> if, if it were better made, maybe I wouldn't mind. But it's it's right. just that lazy kind of screenwriting where they just didn't even bother right. to try and figure out whether or not these animals had any kind of inner life. Like, they just don't care. Like, and that's really the whole movie. Like, I just... They had this is this is a well well known IP once again, and we've got Robert Downey Jr. starring in it. And man, I I love Robert Downey Jr. I think most people love Robert Downey Jr. But when you look at the stuff he's done, that is outside uh, in the, since Iron Man, other than maybe Zodiac, he has just made shit. Was, <laughs> was that it? was way before I well, think. I thought that was two thousand seven, and Iron Man was. I thought that was like three and six or something like I that. I can't remember exactly, sure. but I know I thought- Zodiac was 2007, and then Iron Man, I can't remember when Iron Man was, but the bottom line is is that the stuff he's done, aside from being Tony Stark, stuff like The Soloist and The Judge and the Sherlock movies, which I don't hate the Sherlock movies, but they're not great. He's made questionable decisions, a lot of really questionable decisions as oh, an actor, wait, oh, and wait, we've indulged them. We've indulged those decisions a lot because we love him so much. My indulgence was worn out in the first 15 minutes of this fucking movie. Uh, he's bad in this movie. He is genuinely bad. It sounds like they were trying to take it too seriously with fart jokes. <laughs> I mean, they're trying to explain why he talks to animals. Too. I mean, right, like you said, that just is a mistake from the get-go. Awful. Unless you're just going to make it a comedy where people look at him funny. Yeah, I mean, and nobody comments on it. Everybody just sort of ex- just sort of accepts it. <laughs> like, he, it's just so, it's all so clumsy. It's all just so clumsily put together. Even the cast, you have like these high-level actors, and then you got these middle-of-the-road comedians. I don't know how that 
that dynamic. I mean, it sounds like with the animals say it talking all modern. Like, and- Camille Nanjiani and, jo- and John Cena play best friends in the movie. They're like, they're and <laughs> one. He's a John Cena is a polar bear that has to wear a hat because he's cold. <laughs> funny enough <laughs> they never explain it it just he's a polar bear and he's wearing a hat and you just have to make up the rest in your head he's wearing a silly hat too which wouldn't uh, the, again it's a modern hat that probably wouldn't exist in the time anyway stupid and and Kamel Nanjiani is a uh, what's the thing with uh, an ostrich that Doolittle rides and he makes all sorts of jokes about like I'm almost like references to cars like it's fucking it's so stupid and you feel bad like i feel bad listening to camille nanjiani just be camille nanjiani as if this is a modern movie like, right <laughs> all these great people there's absolutely no effort to give them anything to say that's the least bit charming well i think the way you let off was getting the director and writer of syriana <laughs> <laughs> not really the right it's just a just a bad idea all around. It's just a terrible idea. Every every idea they came up with was bad. Antonio Banderas is in this movie. He's bad. Antonio Banderas, by the way, is five years older than Robert Downey Jr. and plays the father of his wife. <laughs> I've been noticing that a lot in movies, especially as we go back and watch classics and stuff where it's just the ages are so weird. <laughs> I think Robert Pattinson once played Reese Witherspoon's son and then played a love interest in Something like movie. that. <laughs> I don't know. The whole, yeah. Did you listen to, I'm assuming you didn't, but Robert Downey Jr. on Joe Rogan's podcast? No. It was probably better than this movie. <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, and the main reason he did it is because he wanted to work with the guy who did Syriana. And uh-huh. the reason he doesn't want to be Iron Man anymore is so he can do more things. Uh he didn't really do anything when he was Iron Man. I mean, there's a handful of movies, Sherlock and like Tropic Thunder and the judge and all was the soloist. A lot of that was early on in the Marvel process. As the cast got bigger and bigger, it was harder for him to, you know, he had to be available, mm-hmm. but even listening to him, you know, you mentioned him not wanting to be on screen. Like he was talking about <laughs> while being Iron Man, he's like, do I have to wear the suit? Can I just put some green dots on me? So that's, <laughs> Uh, that's kind of consistent with what you were saying. Oh my god, it's so funny. He's not done on being Iron Man, by the way. I don't know if you know this. Well, he as of a week ago, he had wasn't had was not committed to being Iron Man. Right, but he's in one more movie. Oh, I, <laughs> I just happened to see. Black I was, Widow. I was yeah, I was looking around at his at his list of movies to see you know talk about other movies that he's been in. Outside of Tony Stark, and there it was. He's in Black Widow. Thanks, Wikipedia. Now, is he definitely in it, or is it just? It could be a. I don't know. Literally, be a flashback thing. Like, I mean, it could be a lot. Oh, of I mean, who knows when Black Widow is even set, or what universe right. it's in? Because she's, spoiler alert, she's dead. Right. <laughs> Although they've opened that up to anything can happen. <laughs> I hate Doolittle so much. This movie will be talked about again at the end of the year as the, uh, as the. One of the worst, if not the worst, movie of 2020. So it's at least we got it out of the way. We got one out of the way. I'm sure there might be one worse this year, but uh, this is this is terrible. This is awful in every way. Now, to be in all fairness, I will say this: a seven year old 
who has no concept of how movies are built in a linear fashion with a that's supposed to have a you know a story all the way through someone uh, a seven year old who just watches it just for like bright colors and farts might just really enjoy this so from that perspective <laughs> I could see a child who doesn't understand how movies work kind of finding something to enjoy about this. There's a lot of movies like that for adults, too, though. I mean, even the good ones are borderline, just slightly better made versions of bright colors and farts. Um, I kid didn't want to make see the it, Sandler jokes. Yeah. Well, I, was about, I was talking about the Marvel movies. Like, they're good, but they're still bright colors and farts, basically. Uh, or explosions. Uh, and we have a title. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and farts. <laughs> yeah, but my kids, didn't, neither one of them cared. They didn't want to see it. Like uh, We were talking about going the whole family out of both movies, not knowing, mm-hmm. again, I could have swore Bad Boys was PG-13. Uh, and... I, w- I was just going to make him go to this. But neither <laughs> one of them wanted to. And then when you said it was horrible, my wife started reading. My wife doesn't pay attention to movies at all. She's like, I heard that was really, really bad. And the fact that she knew that means, okay, we're definitely not wasting our time. <laughs> and this is the person that rented Gemini Man and watched it alone last night. Because I said, no, what are you doing? Otherwise, we'd be talking about that on the podcast as well. Uh, bad Boys for Life. Bad Boys for Life. The, th- the biggest issue with this movie may just be that I watched it immediately after Doolittle. Like, the, the stench of Doolittle was still on me when I walked in to see Bad Boys, and I was I probably need to see it again just out of fairness, because I was just so miserable from the, from the Doolittle experience that uh, I kind of dragged that into uh, Bad Boys for Life. So Bad Boys for Life uh, picks up the story of uh, Mike and Marcus, two Miami cops uh, who kill a lot of people uh, on their way to uh, you know taking down drug dealers. Uh, this time, instead of they, instead of them uh, chasing after the drug dealer, the drug dealer is coming after them. Someone from Mike's past is come back, and uh, they're out is out to kill him and people who are involved in the case sometime even before the original Bad Boys took place. And uh, so he's, he's basically uh, trying to... This, there's this drug dealer trying to kill him, and by extension, everybody around him, so that includes almost killing Marcus, that kind of stuff, and killing judges, and you know, somebody's getting, somebody in the main cast is going to die. Um, and from there, you know, it, this isn't a very good movie either. I mean... <laughs> And it's not even directed by Michael Bay, but it feels like a Michael Bay movie because it is so much more of the amateur, just swirp, swirling camera. This might, you know, somebody who thinks something looks cool, but it doesn't make any sense. Like eye lines shifting, like it's just so lazy in terms of direction. Uh, so you'll have a character standing and supposed to be talking to somebody, but the camera is moving in a way that it makes it seem like they're not talking to that person. So like they're in different scenes almost. Because it's so like silly and amateurish, and this happens throughout. The editing isn't great. The pace is is sloppy and slow, and stops dead for to do to do banter and bits, and then back into the movie, and then we get repeated scenes of do, people doing exposition. Really super clunky dialogue to introduce things and to make you know to help you understand 
where you are. In case you forgot something from Bad Boys 2, they'll stop down and say, well, you know, remember when this happened? Oh, I hate when sequels <laughs> do that. It's, it's so sloppy, and it just it – just, to me, I, I can phys- it's like I can physically see the dialogue fall from their mouth and go kerplunk on the floor. <laughs> like That's how exposition like that feels to me. It's so inorganic. People who know each other don't talk to each other like that. <laughs> like, Bob, remember that t- thing that we were both at, that we both talked about, and we both did? <laughs> remember right. how that went? Let me tell you about that thing you were there for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the sad part is they're actually friends and they I mean if you've been watching anything they've been doing interview wise and press for this, they're really good together. I mean they're I shouldn't say they're not the rock and Kevin Hart, but they're <laughs> they're not far from it. I mean they're they're pretty entertaining. They mm-hmm. seem to like being around each other. Let them be I mean again I'm I'm saying that they got a seventy six on Rotten Tomatoes with a ninety seven audience score, so yeah. apparently for what it is, people like that. Uh I did not get to go see it. I I was never a, I, I wasn't not a fan. I just never got around to watching the Bad Boys movies. I know people liked them a lot. I just, mm. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of the wrong people love Bad Boys too. That's all I'm gonna say. For all the wrong reasons, they like Bad Boys too. Oh, they like it because it's bad. <laughs> they it they don't realize it's bad. Oh, <laughs> kind of like the Gerard Butler audience, more or less. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I I mean, it, I do know that Will Smith has been very specific about sequels ever since uh, one of the Men in Black it was Men in Black two or three. He didn't like it all, so yeah. now he doesn't. He wanted to make sure the sequel was good. Now, good is Will Smith good. There's a difference between that and I was going to say Robert Downey Jr. good, <laughs> but that's not a good example either. <laughs> Uh, he did say Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was the best movie he's ever been in. Though, he's which right. Is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, it, I don't know. It's probably I, fine for what it is. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're somebody who already loves and forgives everything about uh, all the flaws of the original Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2, which is legitimately terrible, this is better than Bad Boys 2, which is a very low bar. I gave it back in the day. I used to write for this website called smart popcorn.com, and I was reading my old Bad Boys 2 review, and I gave it a 2 out of 10. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event for the linear, legitimate, and universally recognized, undisputed classic Bad Boys. <laughs> the first one doesn't hold up well for somebody who loved it when he was yeah you know, i was what 16 years old when this came is this 17? our first michael bay classic <laughs> <laughs> well it's the only michael bay cl- no armageddon's coming ah <laughs> uh, never oh my god there's another space rock explosion movie where <laughs> oh fuck that i hate armageddon so much still to this day um Bad Boys, you know, at the very least, this is the, the distillation of the chemistry of Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. They are charming enough that the amateur uh, direction doesn't really 
kill me. Like they're watching it as an adult and a trained film goer and a film critic now, it's not easy for me to watch this movie because it's filled with that kind of clunky expository dialogue and over scenes that are sh- you know, sh- uh, tell don't show and and terrible editing god-awful editing that's just intended to create something that looks cool even if it makes no sense whatsoever uh <laughs> anytime there's a crowd scene just you can just take try and avert your eyes if you know anything about editing or continuity or anything just avert your eyes because you're going to be in pain trying to put together where everything is in these scenes um <laughs> but at the very least though these two guys they come up with jokes that I'm telling you they were, there's no way any of it was in the script. Like <laughs> you can't, there's just no way any of that was in the script. They came up with this stuff on the fly, just the two of them. And that stuff works because they're that smart and that funny. And that's really the only thing I ever enjoy about bad boys, which is the story again, two Miami cops. They end up shooting a lot of people. Cause that's just kind of their thing. Joe Pantoliano plays the, the quintessential screaming boss. Hey, stop killing everybody. Blah, blah, blah. What is this explosion? Blah, blah, blah. Give me your badges. Blah, blah, blah. That kind of shit. Then he gives him back to him at the end and helps <laughs> of course him he out. Does. Of course he Gotta does. catch the last guy. <laughs> Even though the person above him comes down on that, just like every other oh, yeah. buddy cop movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to... The point of having classics is like something to talk about. Right. It's just like, it's for what it is, it's good. I mean, it is what it is. It, you know, if you want to start comparing it to other buddy cop movies, it's middle of the road at best. Yeah. Uh, it's, again, it's all about Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. Without them, it's terrible. It's better than Freebie and the Bean. <laughs> right. That is true. And I mean, like, I hate putting rules on movies and filmmaking, and I, I don't mind a little chaos in the direction, but when the scene's not chaotic, but they're making it chaotic anyway. <laughs> Then it doesn't work. I mean, like you're saying, there's a crowd. It doesn't have to be chaos, but yeah. for whatever reason, the way he films it and edits it is very chaotic, and it doesn't. The, the what you're feeling doesn't match what's going on. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I, and I mean, he's always been in. You know, one of his big criticisms is his action, the way he films it, and it's not. I don't know. I don't understand why he must just be success. But I mean, I know he's. All critics and any movie buff shits on Michael Bay whenever they get a chance. <laughs> but I mean, the guy's been very successful, and I don't understand the. I understand why he's successful. It's very. I mean, it's well, it's very simple formula. It's a you know, it's fast paced and and stupid, and you get enough and, stars with chemistry. And that's yeah. all you need. And I mean, it, it's it's no different. It, I think I think Fast and Furious is the same kind of movie, but I think it's it's dumber in a much more special in a much more special way. Like it's stupid, but I I think it's actually from a filmmaking standpoint, it's just it's got a better feel to it. It's It's slicker. uh, Yeah, that in the mission, a lot of the like the quote unquote good action, even the Marvel movies, they're, they're just more. It's better looking it's just tighter i don't know it's uh, i don't even know how to explain (laughs) it but i mean i I don't know i'll i think i'd take armageddon over this though but even that it's all about the actors more so than the move the director it's anybody that's anything he's done that's been successful is because the characters are the actors are somewhat watchable it's almost in despite or despite michael bay 
Yeah, no, don't don't get me started on Armageddon. I'm I'm too angry. I get too I get I get do little levels of angry. I don't understand. <laughs> I, I know it's not I good, it but so it's just much. a. I hate it. You're wasting your hate. Oh, no, no, <laughs> it's just a movie. You don't know. <laughs> so throw you don't away. Know what that experience was like for me. I was angry for days after I saw that movie. Was there something else going on? <laughs> no. I saw that movie and it was so bad, it made me physically angry. I, know it's- I had a visceral reaction to how terrible it is. It's throwaway bad, though. <laughs> I don't know. That movie acted upon me in a way that I... I felt I felt uh, I felt bad afterwards. You think it was a combination of where you were becoming a critic? Because that would have been I don't know when you started, but that had to be earlier on. It was like ninety seven, but I mean I was not I don't I wasn't writing on the internet yet because the internet barely was, existed. Right. So yeah, I don't know. It was I hate that movie. I don't hate Bad Boys, but I hate that movie. I hate the main song more than the movie. <laughs> it's such a and oh god, I hate just to go back to Bad Boys for Life for a moment. I just hate how they keep trying to shoehorn the song in. They're like they barely even re, like remix it, do something. But no, it's a stupid song to begin with, and and it's only gotten stupider over time. And and they just they keep making it into a thing. They keep like everybody. Oh yeah, everybody does that. Bad Boys, but everybody does that. No, we don't. Nobody references this anymore. It's not cool. It's never been cool. You, you just which one are you talking about? Bad Boys, the song Bad Boys. Well, no, which movie? <laughs> the third one? The, the I know the first one, one they do. I'm talking it. about the third one. They okay. keep bringing it back and doing it like like it's a reference that everybody makes these days. And it's like, no. No, that, that faded from memory back around Bad Boys 2 when you tried to bring it back. Yeah, I saw in the tra- when they did it in the trailer, I was I just the whole trailer for Bad Boys for Life was very cringeworthy. Yeah. And it sounds like the movie went a little bit better than that, but yeah, why shoehorn that song? What they did in the first one is probably still too much, but at least it was enough that it was. At least at the time, it made sense because that's that you know, cops was a big thing at the time, and that song was a big deal at the time. Well, it was also on the tail end of cops being right. a big deal, right? But that so, song was still right. a big it was still deal relevant when they did enough. It, it was know? relevant enough at the time. It's not anymore, no. and it's. I mean, I, I almost want to just like I want to do. I want to like okay boomer on that. Like, yeah, it's not funny yeah. anymore. Will, <laughs> even though he's like five years older than me. <laughs> Is that it? I. Uh, I mean, is there anything more to say about Bad Boys? It's. I'm, we said more than I thought we would. I mean, basically, when I got done watching, I was like. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it doesn't deserve much more than that. Uh, let's move on to 1990. That seems more fun. Yeah, I think so, too. Where do you want to start? Let me start with Everybody Wins. Uh, this is Nick Nolte and Deborah Winger. And I had a very funny experience with this because I kind of kept nodding off while I was watching it. And uh, kind of I had to re- like go back and watch a scene again and like try and catch up with where I was. This is written by Arthur Miller. The legendary playwright. Uh, the this is the first screen re- screenplay he'd written in 29 years. The last one he'd written was The Misfits for Marilyn, and so why he chose to come back with this, nobody really knows. Uh, this is a very a very strange movie. Nick Nolte is a private investigator 
or a lawyer, Deborah Winger approaches him to try and help out a guy who's on death row who didn't kill anybody. He's been wrongfully uh, found guilty, and he's, she's brought him in to try and get him out. Uh, so I think he's a lawyer, but I'm not sure. <laughs> so, and this is, I'm t- there's more, I'll get to what I'm getting to, because other critics wrote, wrote about this in the same newspaper, and it's absolutely hysterical, the different takes they had on what was happening. But, uh, so Nick Nolte is going through the process of trying to get this kid out. Deborah Winger knows who did it, but she keeps not telling him and figuring out ways to not tell him about it because it's she's scared of the guy who actually committed the murder. Well, whoever that might be, because there's multiple people who it might be. It might be Will Patton. It might be this uh, the district attorney character. It might be <laughs> the judge character. She her personality shifts a lot during the movie, and she you know she he keeps figuring out what's going on with her and kind of getting inside of her head. And he's also kind of falling in love with her. It's weird. Just everything that happens is weird. And it ends on a note. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but it ends on a note of ambiguity. Like they get what they want. Everybody gets what they want, but it's all like all the bad people still get away. So it's kind of, it's kind of weird like that. That's the name of the movie. (laughs) Right. Everybody wins. Right. Exactly. So I was reading, I was doing some research. I read Rita Kempley and Dessen Howe's reviews from 1990 in the Washington Post. And the descriptions of the plot that they had in the same newspaper the same day in 1990, one of them has Deborah Winger's character as a prostitute and Nick Nolte's character as a, as a private investigator. <laughs> then the other one has Deborah Winger's character as a schizophrenic and Nick Nolte as a lawyer. And they're describing the plot in completely different ways. Wow. <laughs> uh, the movie isn't very good overall because it's so because it is that level of weird and confusing how they get to where they get to. Yeah, looking at Rotten Tomatoes, the critics and the audience hate it. Uh, Philip Kemp says, as any gambler knows, the trouble with everybody winning is that you end up with a pretty unsatisfactory payout. <laughs> David Newsell, uh, he said, Arthur Miller's surprisingly incoherent screen, screenplay is certainly a key element in the film's downfall. So, yeah, sounds like it's not very good. <laughs> you watched that this week? I did. Wow. I watched a lot of stuff this week. I also watched Streets. Oh, what the hell Streets? <laughs> Streets is uh, Christina Applegate playing a, a sex worker, and uh, a teenage sex worker. She's 16 years old. Uh, and there are two movies happening in streets. Uh, there's one movie where she's having this like uh, relationship. She's a teenage pro- uh, sex worker, and she's having this relationship with this teenage boy who ran from ran away from home for a weekend. Who's trying to go to Hollywood to be a musician, but he can always go home. She has grown up on the streets her entire life and is addicted to heroin and gives hands jobs for money. That's her thing, um, and he's. This kid just quickly, like almost immediately, begins falling in love with her. But there's a, another aspect to this. The other aspect to this is Maniac Cop. <laughs> so there's a Maniac Cop character. The first thing we see is him trying to rape and murder Christina Applegate, but she gets away almost by accident. You see the kid, and they're under a, they're under the pier in Malibu, and the kid on the the kid is ran the runaway kid is sleeping. And you think, oh, he's going to interrupt this and save her. 
No, she saves herself and has to save him as well. <laughs> this maniac cop starts shooting at him. So then you find out he's a cop in this kind of kooky reveal. And he starts stalking them, like going around town, like stalking where they are. And, and he's basically, he just starts straight up murdering anybody who knows her. So every scene you see him in, he murders somebody brutally. Meanwhile, in the other scenes between them, it's this heartwarming teenage melodrama about about this struggling prostitute and the boy who falls in love with her, and then maniac cop. <laughs> wow. Any good? I mean, it's only 82 minutes. It breezes by, and I can't say I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I can't say I didn't enjoy it. I can't say it's good, but I, I watched the whole thing, and it's breezy. And I mean, the two elements balance each other out in a weird way. The other maniac cop stuff, which is like brutal fucking violence, like horror movie level gore. At one point, he's got this magic, this magic gun that he made. It's just his own creation. And he shoots this John that she's with and his head explodes. And they get a good shot, too, of this giant hole in this guy's head. Like they spent a lot of money on that for just like this 30 seconds that you see, maybe less than that, 15 seconds maybe, just, just this giant gaping hole in this guy's head. Wow. Well, you didn't have to pay for Christina Applegate at the time because she wasn't <laughs> Christina Applegate yet. Uh, I'm looking at the plot keywords on IMDb, and the second phrase is putting a gun in a man's butt. <laughs> that is that a f- does happen. And that does I, happen, yes. And then I clicked on it to see what other movies have this uh, keyword, <laughs> key phrase, and nothing popped up but this. <laughs> there's a lot of talk about, there's a lot of butt stuff in this, too. The cop has, a, like, the, he try first off, he's trying trying initially to anally rape uh, Christina Applegate. That happens, which leads to a, this wonderful line that she gives. <laughs> She's she's about to walk away from the kid and leave him by, behind forever early on in the movie. And she says to him, watch your ass. L.A. is full of people who want to stick something up it. Christina Applegate. She says that. that. That's a line in this movie. And then later on, we actually do see the cop uh, before he murders. Actually, he, he murders a guy, one of her friends, by... First, he puts the gun up his ass, and then he stabs him in the ass. <laughs> it's I mean, a crazy movie. I mean, yeah, it's it, free on YouTube and on our and our Facebook page. Facebook page. I mean, if it were good, we would have heard about this movie right. before because Christian Applegate played a teenage prostitute, and whenever that's near a good nude scene, near, near nude, scene. very near nude scene. That's probably the closest she's ever gotten. That and married with children, maybe. Uh, where do you want to go next? <laughs> we got tremor, tremors and brain dead. Uh, let's go to tremors because I want to talk more about brain dead. <laughs> All um, right. uh, tremors, you know, tremors is what it is. <laughs> uh, if you like tremors, you you know that it's about graboids, these worm-like things that come up out of the ground and and suck people down and eat them, and uh, right. they can't climb rocks. You spend a lot of time on rocks making jokes and trying to come up with clever ways to blow up the uh, worm-like things. Yeah, I mean, it's effective for what it's going for. You totally buy into the idea. It was a different, you know, this was a different Kevin Bacon for me at the time. Like, Kevin Bacon, 
Well, I thought he was like uh, I thought he was really cool, and here he's played like a really dumb redneck, and it was kind of incongruous for me for what I thought Kevin Bacon was at the time. Yeah, I remember not liking it at first. Like, I had a friend who just thought this was the best movie ever, and that's all he wanted to watch all the time. <laughs> and at one point, he left it at my house for a long time, so we didn't have to watch it, and it was nice. <laughs> but when I revisited it later on, it was like, this is more, this is kind of fun. I get it. Yeah. It's just the 15 million sequels and television shows off of it that were kind of pointless. It's weird, though. Like, I'm reminding myself now, watching it back in 1990, and like at the time, Kevin Bacon, you know, he's done he's done movies like He Said, She Said, and uh, and, and she's having my baby. Uh, movies where he's wearing a suit and he's a yuppie, and then here he's this redneck, and then you got Michael Gross, who is the dad from Family Ties, and now he's this you know survivalist redneck with all the guns, and him and Reba McIntyre was weird. It's a we- it was a weird movie then, and it's still kind of weird for me now. And the guy who survived all of them and kept making the sequels, what, Fred Ward? Is that the other he one? He only made one sequel, actually. Oh. Michael Gross goes on to make, like, oh, five more. Gross he becomes the star it. of the series and even the, the, the television version. Like, there's there's six of these movies and a TV series. Jesus. Yeah. Did you watch them all? No. God, no. <laughs> well, I guess Michael Gross needed something to do. But yeah, anytime I see Fred Ward in a movie, it's the guy from Tremors. I mean, that's kind of what I know him as. Uh, brain Dead. Brain Dead. What a fascinating movie. This is the, there, you know, the uh, Streets was produced by uh, a, a member of the Corman family. And this movie is also, this one's produ- uh, produced by Roger Corman. So we've got a lot of Corman in this, in this week. Um, this, this is a story of uh, Bill Pullman as a. Uh, a brain scientist who uh, is uh, approached by Bill Paxton as a corporate guy to to perform brain surgery on a guy who's holding on to some corporate secret in his head after he's gone insane and killed his family, and they want Mike, they want Bill Pullman to perform surgery on him to try and get him to go back to normal so he'll admit what this mathematic code is, or the whole thing is just happening inside of crazy Bill Pullman's head, and he's the one being operated on. <laughs> well, I think at the very end, they get rid of the ore. <laughs> <laughs> but they definitely show you both versions. They do. This is a strange movie, and I, I kind of liked it. I kind of fell for it. I kind of was in, like, I liked how confusing and confounding it was and what's real and what's not, and the various times he wakes up from dreams in different places, not sure who of any who anyone is. Um, I, I was kind of impressed with the with the weird sort of twists and turns of this movie, and I liked the 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 gorier aspect of it. The brain stuff was really kind of fun, and uh, there's a there the rea- there's a reanimator reference in this movie that's kind of kind of deep cut, but kind of awesome. Um, and I liked Bill Pullman as this weird character. He's a very strange, very nerdy character, very inside of himself, not. Uh, <laughs> not very charismatic, but also kind of just odd enough to you just kind of turn and you kind of look at him a little bit. He's just kind of odd. Right, and he gets more and more odd as the movie goes on, especially when, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's a hard movie to talk about in terms of explaining what the movie's about. Yeah. But it is 
like the whole time I could be going, this was made in 1990. It looks, I mean, they reference Reanimator. It looks like it came out when Reanimator came yeah, out. Yeah, looks like an early, early to mid 80s. And so there's a level of cheese that's cool about it. I mean, Bill Paxton's cheesing it up more than he ever has before, and he's always cheesed it up. Oh, man, so much sleaze. Oh, Just it's so sleazy. Uh, and, it's, <laughs> and it's so entertaining. <laughs> yes. But at the same time, I would love to see like a like a David Lynch or a, who's the other guy, David Cronenberg, yeah. some kind of one of them making this movie seriously. I would like to see both versions of it because it, it you know, I was worried it was going to do like a high tension thing where it just cheats, but it's so confusing that I don't know if it cheats or not. <laughs> I mean, at, at the very end, it tells you right. everything that happens, but at the same time, you're still kind of like. <laughs> You know, you're kind of waiting, you're looking back, like, in the, they just, I think they do a really good job of making it all make sense, or, you know, making it work, I yeah. guess is a better word. It doesn't make sense at all, but it does work, and it's entertaining, and, like, I want to see two or three different versions of this movie, because <laughs> it's neat. It's neat. It it's fun. I don't know. I was kind of shocked. I, I, just the whole time going, how was this made in 1990? It looked worse than like every movie they've made, been in up to this point, <laughs> but at the same time, it it worked for the movie. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, could they not properly reattach the top of the head? Is that why it's like three inches tall after he does brain surgery? <laughs> I mean, it's a cool visual. I think it was more that. <laughs> It was a neat visual, and uh, I loved Bud Court just uh, just <laughs> sitting in a chair, just fidgeting, and his brain is exposed, and nobody is doing anything about it. <laughs> like, can you put the guy's top of his head back on before you set, let him stand up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I highly, I mean, it's free on Amazon right now. I yeah. think uh, I don't know if it was Prime or part of some other. If I was on HBO or Cinemax, whatever it was, I, I think it was Prime. But it, it's it's definitely worth watching. It's neat, especially if you're living in Illinois and you're one of those potheads. I'm sure you might enjoy a movie like this. With that, I've enjoyed the like the the, the like. It's not like real brain science, obviously, but like I like they they couch it the, the brain science that they're doing in it in a way that like feels real. Yeah, like the idea that you could cut into somebody's brain and cut out the part that's diseased, like that's normal. Like cancer, yes, but like par, like personality wise, like they could locate a part the part of your personality in your brain that's not working, and like t- turn him from a guy who thinks that uh, a, a milkman murdered his wife <laughs> into right. back into the. Back into a mathematician who actually, you know, was really smart and intelligent. If they actually did that, if they actually <laughs> they, that, did that happen? No. But <laughs> that's the thing is, I really don't know what is it happened. Part, but is that also like the the theoretical aspect of that? Is just, is that another extension of his psychosis that right. he's undergoing? It, there, it's it's one of those movies that when you really start to <laughs> dig into it, you just start. Like a dog chasing its tail, you, start, you just want to start spinning in circles. It's the type of movie that would make you go insane. I think it is, the, but it's so low budget, you can't blame it for like well, being lazy or stupid. Yeah, it, it, the, I mean, call it what you want, but it somehow they made it work, and that's 
I don't know. It's 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 weird. It has a weird tension to it. The production design is so spare and and different that uh, you know you can only focus on the brain. Like they're in this bright white room, and you can only focus on the guy whose brain is out there. And then there, you know, any other room that they're in is just you're. It's all very tensely shot because it's uh, they're covering up all the flaws with darkness. But at the same time, it also focuses your mind on how weird and off putting everything is. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. It, I mean, I'm glad this movie exists. Uh, it's really. I'm glad I saw it. It's it's pretty cool. I don't. I haven't seen a ton of Roger Corman movies. Uh, I mean, I've seen a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, part of what he's known for is really low budget and somewhat bad movies. <laughs> it's weird that, you, that there's a the visual for this movie is just a face, right? And it has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> Like very right off the bat, they kind of show that. Yeah, you see it, but then and he's like never... he's like toying with a a brain, and it's making the face. Right, it's do like he things. hooks up a different brain to his yeah. face, but then they like they leave that yeah. pretty early on. Never comes up again. <laughs> it's the cover of the movie, and then it's the first five minutes, and then gone. <laughs> I don't know how did how did you do this? Why did you do this? <laughs> I'm kind of surprised I didn't. I've never heard of this. Yeah. Uh, one, it's Bill Paxton and Pullman in the same movie. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. Uh, and then two, that it, it's I don't know. It's just such a crazy movie. That's. I kept waiting for the reveal that that was somebody we knew's face. Like I kept waiting for that to be. I kept waiting for it to be Bill Pullman's. Face yeah, exactly. Like I thought that was going to be his face. Like they were going to turn that. In, like he was going to end up being the face. <laughs> And no, he was never comes up again. <laughs> no, but go give it a shot because it's 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 a fun movie. It breezes right along, and it's. I mean, if you liked anything either one of those guys have done, especially the cheesier stuff, this takes the cake, and it's at the same time crazy and interesting. At the, it's it's worth it's worth the free Amazon. It's not a movie that's easy to watch in a hotel lobby. <laughs> Because I was watching this in a hotel lobby this morning. On your phone? Or? <laughs> no, on my laptop, on oh. my Chromebook. And I just kind of, every time I had to look around, and I had to have another tab open on Chrome just to click on click that, away. just in case somebody walked by. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's it's a weird movie, especially if you have the, I don't, you probably had headphones on, but if you didn't, that'd be even, <laughs> even harder. But yeah, please. I There's some un- awkward that. conversations in this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they don't waste time. This is only 83, 84 minutes, too. They don't waste any they don't waste any breath on pleasantries. It's all about talking about brains and dead people and yeah. Crazy guys running up to doctors who's carrying a brain, like, that's my brain! Give me back my brain. <laughs> But this is one remake I'm all for. Yeah, totally. Cronenberg or Lynch or someone like that, Darren Aronofsky, whatever. Someone wants to try this and take it seriously because we got the cheesy fun one. (laughs) Uh, I'd like to see the real one because it it could be a terrifying movie on top of that if they, you know, if you want weird enough. Hashtag remake brain dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's the new episode title. Yeah. Bright colors and farts or... Or the hashtag for the Jeff, movie. make us a t-shirt, please. Remake Brain Dead. <laughs> but make it your face. 
<laughs> now he's probably seen this movie. I oh, I I know it. I know he has. Oh man, that's too many titles this episode. Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess that is our show. Next week we've got the gentleman and the turning. It's kind of scary. I thought the turning was going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> in January. Yeah. On well, not the first movie named The Turning. I don't know if I told you about that. Mm-mm. No, you haven't. It's <laughs> the other one. It's, all right. So occasionally adults watch pornography, folks. Uh and if you do, you might have come across a movie called The Turning, which is about a scientist who comes up with a way to turn all women into lesbians. <laughs> the, the doctor has to be a lesbian female then okay yeah, yeah. Because if it was a male then they really messed up <laughs> and then it becomes a zombie movie <laughs> so they're all they're zombie lesbians because if you once title. you when you take you, you get touched by the lesbian in a way you end up a lesbian yourself <laughs> you get turned so they treat lesbians like zombies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, don't judge me. I'm not. No, not a, you. The listeners. Sometimes people watch pornography. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh man. Uh, so yeah, the gentleman and the turning. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to think of anything else while I'm watching this movie. <laughs> the sequel to the turning porno is a gentleman. <laughs> uh, but because the gentleman's uh, Guy Ritchie movie, we're going to watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, probably his first classic on our show, maybe the last. Yeah. Maybe Snatch will come back. I don't know. Mm. Not a, did you like this one that much, though, either? Lock, Stock, or? Barely remember it. Right. Uh, but I know there's an audience for it. We got nothing in 1990, so since we didn't talk about cinema parody, so this we were going to do it next week. Cause, uh, Either that or good. it'll turn into our, our version of Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon. The cinema parody so will join us the next week. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when Fishing with Gandhi was that? Oh, I <laughs> we actually watched Gandhi. it. <laughs> uh, we went like a solid year where yeah. we mentioned it a lot and then never wa- watched it until long time later uh but that is our show i do want to thank our patreon supporters at the key grip level we've got charlie messing and jason bryant at the character or the craft service levels at code maker at the character actor level josh and beth paul christina cato and cousin jeff and then at the special effects level sarah morale or uh, Corey finner and formerly sarah morale well, used to be <laughs> she was a josh adams <laughs> friend uh but no anybody who's ever been a supporter thank you very much mm-hmm. for doing it uh i understand that you can't do it all the time and sure. it's not uh but we do appreciate it and it is the best way to help support the podcast uh i hate critics on that such patreon please go there uh and the podcast merch tab as well we have some new shirts coming i just can't seem to get a free moment in my life <laughs> if you ever question bob's commitment he's actually wearing the shirt of our of our podcast right now <laughs> that's all he wears podcast shirts <laughs> uh let's go to flick chart 
Sure. Somehow we did get to an hour. <laughs> God damn it, keeps going to flicker.com. Flicker. Ugh. Gotta finish typing it in. We'll just go to my battery dies. It looks like it's gonna die any second. <laughs> <laughs> die Hard 2, Rocky 2. Ooh, that's tough. That is tough, honestly. Um I like Die Hard 2 a lot. I'm not a big Die Hard 2 fan, so I'll go Rocky 2, flip it. All right. No, Rocky 2 is not my favorite either, but... Tails. Oh, Rocky 2 wins. Last King of Scotland, gross point blank. Gross point blank. Just let you have it. Uh, Eye in the Sky, How to Train Your Dragon. Eye in the Sky. I'll go with How to Train Your Dragon. Tails. How to Train Your Dragon wins. <laughs> Mimic, 97, Ocean's 12. Uh, Ocean's 12, I think Mimic sucks. Is that Del Toro or is that... I don't thing? remember. I haven't seen Mimic since the year it came out, probably. Horrible Bosses, The Expendables. Horrible Bosses. Agreed. I forgot to click it, though. I was like, flip, are we going to flip? <laughs> <laughs> That was one of the movies I suggested my son we could watch, and he didn't pick it. Although we did play 20 Questions later on at a restaurant, and he got Kill Bill right without having <laughs> seen it. 101 Dalmatians, Glenn Close version, The Italian Job, the remake, or 2003. That is a remake, right? Yeah, Italian Job, I guess. Last King of Scotland, I know what you did last summer. I still know what you did last summer. <laughs> last King of Scotland. Up in the Air, Jumanji, 95. Up in the Air. Star Trek, the motion picture, or Wreck-It Ralph? Wreck-It Ralph. Hairspray, 2007, Face Off. (laughs) (laughs) There's a thing, like, I have a genuine enjoyment of the Hairspray remake. I think it's actually a genuinely good movie, Uh, but... Face off is just so damn. It's just so damn face off. I mean, <laughs> what do you do in this situation? Yeah, that's a hard one. Why don't you pick? <laughs> Why don't you just flip? Because <laughs> I'm neither here nor there in either one of them. Tails. Oh, face off wins. It's hard to flip a coin with a microphone in your face, it's isn't true. it? <laughs> I gave it to you. City of Angels, <laughs> Ghost Rider, Nicolas Cage versus Nicolas Cage. For me, it's City of Angels just because I love watching Meg Ryan get hit by a bus. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Still City of Angels. Uh, Swordfish, Platoon. Platoon. No, wait. Yeah, Platoon. Good. Cause I already clicked <laughs> it. Uh, let's see here. Clear and Present Danger, American History X. Uh, uh, clear and present danger. I go American History X. Heads. Finally, you threw a head. <laughs> Wreck It Ralph, Spider Man Two, the Raimi version. Spider Man Two. I love Wreck It Ralph, but Spider Man Two is uh, amazing, and Spider Man's my favorite superhero. Cool. Drive, two thousand eleven, American Pie Two. Drive. Yeah. Rocky Flash Gordon. <laughs> Rocky. 
Resident Evil Apocalypse, The Fox and the Hound. Fox and the Hound. Thunderball, Liar Liar. Liar Liar. Bingo, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. What's Bingo? The dog movie from 91. We'll have to get to it now. Yeah, just to, <laughs> it's Close Encounters, yeah. we know that. Turner and Hooch, 2003's Hulk. Turner and Hooch, I guess. Sure. Not worth flipping over. No, nah, not really. Wally the Birdcage. Wally. Agreed. Crash 04 Trading Places. Trading Places. For a second, I thought it was the porno crash. Or the, <laughs> who directed that one? The NC 17 one. Was uh, that Cronenberg? I think it's Cronenberg, yeah. The soloist, iRobot. iRobot. Beetlejuice, The Day After Tomorrow. Beetlejuice. Beethoven, the other dog movie. Or Orange County. Orange County. Daylight, One Hour Photo. One Hour Photo. Agreed. Gravity, Ratatouille. That's a tough one. That is tough. Man, I don't know. I love Gravity. I think Gravity's amazing. But I would, if you ask me right now to watch one, I'm watching Ratatouille. That's hard. I think I'd watch Gravity. That was also one of the movies my son picked departed over. <laughs> what is it? Heads or tails? Heads. Gravity wins. Deliverance. I've never seen that. Teen Wolf. Well, pick something you've seen. Oh, but you could choose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Naked Gun, Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear, or Teen Wolf? Uh, naked Gun. I, don't, I think Teen Wolf's terribly overrated. I don't really have an opinion on Teen Wolf, so I'll go with you. Jurassic World, Spartacus. Spartacus. Yeah. Venom, Ted. Ted. Yep. The Birdcage, The Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. Master and Commander, The Incredibles. Master and Commander. I'll take The Incredibles. Tails. Good, because I accidentally clicked Incredibles. <laughs>